Welcome to the Consciouspreneur Podcast, where we discuss and apply the principles of mindset, leadership, and business building strategies that align with our purpose, honor the people we work with, and generate a sustainable profit. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Consciouspreneur Podcast. You know me, Dr. Mary Maduna Gross, as your host. And today we have Orly Zewi, a brand architect, with us today. Orly is an author, a speaker, and your facilitator of light bulb moments. Her superpower is that she makes fuzzy clear. She turns generic messaging into clear marketing messages that help startups and early stage companies cut through the noise so they can attract their ideal customers and scale quickly. Now, what I just love about Orly is that she put herself out there and she her book, Ready Launch Brand, The Lean Marketing Guide for Startups, was published by Rutledge in May of 2021 and was the number one business book released on Amazon in April of 2021. Congratulations. Thank you so much, Mary. <laughs> Gosh, what a big accomplishment. Thank you. Before we get into all the the good stuff, how did you celebrate this accomplishment? Oh my goodness, um, I'm trying. I'm trying to remember. Honestly, I I think I was just uh, so overwhelmed by this whole thing. And remember, we were just coming out of the pandemic. The book was originally. Um, was supposed to come out in 2020, and actually, my publisher was Routledge, and um, and Routledge, of course, shut down <laughs> during the pandemic. And because they're a global uh, publishing house, you know, there are people. I mean, it was they were completely shut down all over the world, which was really interesting. Um, honestly, you know, I, I think uh, probably took my kids out to dinner. I think I did something like that. I didn't like, you know, what could I, I mean, again, we were just coming out of a pandemic. So, you know, it was, I think celebration is going to happen at at another, at another time. (laughs) You know what? And I love it that you are willing to still recognize the value of celebrating, even if you couldn't celebrate that you wanted to in that moment. Yeah. Well, it is definitely, it's, it's worthy of celebrating for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Well, I got ahead of myself. Let's know a little bit more about you, Orly. So what is the beginning of your entrepreneurial uh, experience? So that's always such an interesting question, because as it turns out, I come from a long line of entrepreneurs on my father's side. And on my mother's side, I come from a long line of educators. So spoiler alert, I became both an entrepreneur and an educator. (laughs) (laughs) Fascinating how that happens, there right? You go. DNA, you cannot escape your DNA. But I think, you know, what really got me thinking, and, you know, this is, of course, going, it's going back to childhood, but my father was a struggling entrepreneur. So I got to experience firsthand the impact that that had on my family. So for me, you know, helping entrepreneurs, you know, working with entrepreneurs, helping a startup beat up the, you know, beat the odds um, of startup success is really what motivates me. Because when I think about helping a founder, I'm helping a family. It's not just a founder. And so it's it's also very personal for me, you know? And I think one of the, one of the, the greatest compliments I got after my book came out, my dad read it, of course, and said, I wish I'd had it when I was building my company. Wow. 
That is a beautiful compliment. <laughs> wow. Gosh. Okay. So um, you've got this in your DNA. Tell me about the education piece. So I'm a lifelong educator. Um, I've actually been teaching since I was a teenager. Um, and I, um, I'm an adjunct professor, um, have taught at Wharton, University of Pennsylvania, the Closed School of Entrepreneurship at Drexel. So, you know, I love, you know, I just love teaching. And I take that approach to the way that I work with my clients. So a big part of the work that I do is really helping people get to the aha moment, which is why I call myself a facilitator of light bulb moments. Because as you know, learning a new way of thinking is not something that happens overnight. It's something that takes, you have to, you have to give a person time to process as well as, um, you know, giving them the steps towards to be able to make the processing easier. Like they have to integrate that into their way of thinking about other things. So, you know, one of the things I've learned as an educator is, you know, don't overwhelm me with lots of stuff. Walk me through the steps, you know? So that's really what I do in my consulting job, job as well. Never thought of education quite in that way, although now it, it, it seems perfectly clear, is that in, in education, we do break it down into a system so that we can take in one bite at a time uh, to learn. In business, I think what I've noticed about myself is that that's natural to me because I'm also an educator. And, um, and yet in business, sometimes that desire to have things go linearly and, this, and predictably gets in my way. Because life isn't that linear or that predictable. Well, and I think we all found that out during the pandemic. <laughs> when, when we had to complete, I mean, you know, like overnight, we had to completely rethink everything. You know? So, um, and I think because, you know, part of, part of what has um, been a big part of what's kind of at the core of the work that I do is because I grew up uh, in, on three continents and in four countries. And I spent a lot of time growing up learning, paying attention to how, what people said more in how they said it versus what they said, because a lot of times I didn't know the language. So I'm trilingual. And, you know, when I when my family immigrated to the United States, I was 11 years old. I did not speak a word of English. And so I had to very quickly, you know, try to figure out what was going on. And I think that the attention that I spent doing that has really informed the work that I do because ultimately I'm helping someone really understand who they are, but I also am able to read between the lines of what they say. The word that popped in my head as you were describing that is magical listening. <laughs> I love that. Yes. Magical listening. Does feel a little bit like that. I do. I do talk to my clients sometimes about the idea that there is, there is a bit of magic. You know, they they say marketing is a combination of art and science, and I think that the branding work that I do, that I identifying kind of you know doing the brand strategy work, is really there is magic because somewhere along the line you've got to put all the pieces together. So you know what I do is I really listen for what someone wants to say but may not be able to articulate clearly. 
so there, there's a lot of marketers out there, right? A lot of brand strategists. And we're talking about your magical listening. Can maybe think about a client that you've worked with that um, maybe they've worked with other marketers in the past, maybe they haven't. But what is it that you saw or heard in them that either they missed and or others may have missed around them? So that I can answer that question uh, because you know this is why I say that my superpower is I make fuzzy clear. So the first thing I so you know my book uh, my book actually unpacks my whole brand building process, and the first step is getting clear on who you are. And to do that, I have like three exercises, and one of them is actually an aspirational uh, exercise. And what I really try to do is get people out, out of their daily, the way they normally think about this. And instead, you know, pretend you're your own client. What would your client say about you? And if it's a new company, because I do work with startups, then it's what would you like them to say, right? What do you want people to take away from working with you? So what I really focus on is always the outcome. What people tend to talk about is what they do and how they do it. What I focus on is getting them clear on why anybody would want to work with them. And I will say that, you know, and this is something else that I've, I've become really aware of, you know, and, and a lot of my clients, you know, they've taken courses, they've had coaches. And what they tell me over and over again is this, I get all this information, but there's no one to tell me what to do with right? It's like, here's a bunch of videos you can watch. Here's, you know, come sit in on our whatever group or event. But at the end of the day, if I can't connect the dots and walk away with something that I can put to use, it's just information. So the way, what I liken it to is imagine somebody, you know, somebody gives you the American dictionary, right? It's got every word in the American language. So you have all the words, now you can write a novel. Right. <laughs> Put them all in the right order. Yeah, there you go. It's like it's like somehow putting together a book based on a bunch of words. It doesn't work that way. And what I find is, you know, the where the magic happens is really because like you said it's this the, it's this listening. And I I've also been trained in design thinking, the design thinking process, and it's no surprise that the first step of design thinking is uh, empathic listening. And I'm very good at that because I spend my formative years trying to understand what people were saying. What I discovered is that it didn't matter what language people spoke, their body language was always the same. So I could, I could connect, even if I didn't understand the words, I could understand the meaning. And I think that's what I bring, this ability to kind of look, you know, it's like I look under the hood, you know, and I see the stuff, I see, I see not just the problem, but actually the source of the problem. And I see how people are getting confused about, you know, what someone is saying. And often, you know, my clients work with me because they are struggling to explain what they do in a succinct manner. And as a result, they're not able to scale. They're not able to, to get enough clients because it takes them so long and often they're actually focused on the wrong thing. So part of what I end up doing is looking at their business model and saying, wait a second, so you're doing X, but your website is all about, you know, A, B, and C. It has nothing to do with X, right? And so often they will actually change the focus of their business 
because what I help them realize is what they're actually passionate about, what they really want to do. And I think that's another piece that I bring that I say to people, you know, um, you don't have to do this because someone thinks that's what you should do, or even because you were trained to do this. You can actually decide who you want to work with. And for some people, that's kind of a, that's magical thinking all in on its own, you know? Um, but yeah, I think, I think it's this being able to connect the dots for someone. And then what I do and I, you know, what, what happens at, at the end of, of the process is somebody will say to me, I have never been able to say it this clearly. It's like you're inside my head and helping me pull out exactly what I want to say. And I think that that really is what, at the end of the day, I think that's what I really bring. And what does it mean to you when that client says to you, oh my gosh, I get it. The light bulb Love has it. come on. <laughs> I Love it. I think that's the teacher in me, the educator in me. You know, the best educators, you know, they don't do it for the money. They do it because they want to help minds expand. They want to help, um, you know, their students kind of achieve another level of knowledge, understanding, growth, you know, and that's how I feel, you know. So when somebody says that to me, it's just, it's really marvelous. You know, it makes me feel like this is, this is why I was, this is, is going to sound really crazy, but I feel like this is why I was put on earth to do this work, you know. Well, exactly. And I, that just aligns with the consciouspreneur value so clearly about wanting to make an impact. And you told that story, you know, at the beginning of this conversation about you helping a founder is you helping a family. And you were that family. So I get it. Yeah. And the other thing, and the other thing that I I also, you know, I feel like this, and this is really important in, in the work that I do. You know, I don't come at this like I have all the answers. I come at this like you have all the answers, but you don't know how to articulate them. My job is to help kind of pull out, you know, sort of sort of pull out the the, the golden threads, really, the things that are really important. And sometimes because we're so close to it, we don't even know where the magic is for ourselves. And we need someone and, you know, someone who's not vested in the outcome. And, and often I'll say, oh, so you've done this and this and and I said, well, how come that's nowhere to be found? Oh, I didn't think it was important. Really? I kind of think it is important, you know? And so so I've had, you know, made these amazing conversations. But what what I always come to, to the conversation with is this idea that the reason I know how to do this is, you know, it's kind of like what... Uh, what um, Thomas Edison said, you know, I didn't fail uh, a thousand times. I just found a thousand ways not to make a light bulb. And I feel like that's a little bit of what I bring. You know, I've made all those mistakes. I, and the first thing I say to people, you know, everyone is the same. This is the, you're not doing anything wrong. Right. There's yes. That you're done wrong. It's just that you don't know. And and so. I've learned every way to do it the wrong way. And I finally figured out how to do it the right way. And so once I understood all that, that's when I started thinking about writing a book because I realized that so many startups, you know, there's no one talking. Well, before I wrote my book, as far as I know, yeah. I could be totally wrong. I, I did do some research, but you know, there's so many books out there. What I discovered is that in fact, there are thousands of books on how to market your product, 
how to build a company, how to do a bunch of different things once you're an established company. But the books that tell you what to do those first three years, as far as I know, they're not very many. And what I and what I learned through my research is that if you don't make it by year five, that's where 70%, actually 90%, <laughs> like nine out of 10 startups are going to fail. And 10% fail in the first year and 70% fail between years two and five. And what I found out, what I discovered is that those are the years when nobody's spending any money on marketing because oh they're waiting. Yeah. They're waiting and this is one of the myths that I bust in my book because I've, you know, my book is set up around marketing myths. And one of them is we'll spend money on marketing when we have money to spend on marketing, which is crazy because marketing is the engine to sales. If you don't have an engine, your train doesn't go anywhere. So it's just been very interesting. So anecdotally, I have found, you know, because I've been doing this now for 30 years, I found that. Over time, it was the same idea. I started working with companies, you know, in the three to five, because at year three is usually when they hit the wall and they say things like, nobody knows we exist. Our name doesn't fit. Our salespeople spend all this time trying to explain what we do. We can't cross sell because nobody understands what the main purpose of our business is. And all that time is lost time. And then they end up chasing uh, and, and putting resources up against customers or potential customers who will never be their customers because they haven't figured out what it is they do and what problem they solve and who do, who has that problem. So one one of the uh, actually one of the because my book has eight founder stories and one of them the founder said to me, "Look, you know, we were successful, but we never took the time to figure out who our ideal target market was and we spent all these years selling to the wrong person. And by the time we figured it out, it was too late. And so my book unpacks all of that and shows you a way, you know, it gives you a system, a process to figure out who that person is and understanding ultimately really what keeps them up at night. Because if you cannot speak directly to that person, you're basically speaking to everyone, which means that you're speaking to no one. It's, it's been, for me personally, a, just such an amazing journey of um, going into a service business, right? So having to learn the, the skills and build my own confidence and the skill set and then learning all of this business stuff, right? I didn't go to school. I, I have no background in entrepreneurial uh, experience. Um, my family are farmers, which I now recognize as entrepreneurs, but that's not how we thought of it, right? It was just... It was a lifestyle. And um, and I never even thought to pay attention to how, how that operation worked. And so when it was time for me to build my own, it, it and I remember coming out of co my coaching program and they're like, you got to niche down. And I remember thinking, oh, that's the last thing I want to do. I want to be able to serve everybody and put out that, the widest net that I could. Right. And I, and I know that that's a common uh, myth, but well, um, it's the opposite of what you, what will make you successful. The wider the, the, your net, first of all, the longer it's going to take 
And the harder and more, most, more expensive it will be because you cannot market to 30 different types of clients. And the other thing is if you don't choose your lane and get really good at that lane, then basically you become a solution looking for a problem. Oh, wow. And that is not, you can't be in service to someone if you're looking for a problem. There's an innate contradiction there. That's right. And, and I will tell you that I, did, I was not uh, schooled in business either, which is why I went back to school, got an MBA. And, um, and that's because, and I did this later in life, you know, after I'd raised my two kids and my oldest had gone off to college. Um, and then I, I went and, and enrolled in a, in an MBA program. And that's how, you know, I then got trained in design thinking and really started understanding about business models. And now, you know, and the reason I did all that is because I wanted to really help a company and you can't do that if you don't understand what makes their business tick. Right. Right. Do you, what is your niche? So my niche is um, solopreneurs, startup, early, um, um, uh, you know, early phase companies. Um, and, um, and, I, and I will say that, you know, it's really anywhere from uh, pre-launch, because I've worked with pre, pre-startups all the way to maybe five years. Like that's really the kind of the, the spread. But, um, but what I find is that, you know, the thing, the reason, of course, that I like startups, aside from the fact that I have this personal connection, is that they are so passionate about what they do. And I really enjoy that. I enjoy talking to founders and, and, and also because founders, you know, they're visionaries, they're not ops people. So they tend to be a little bit all over the place. And so having someone like me who can come in and really help them clarify, you know, who they are and what they're really about. And, you know, that just the exercise of doing that helps them kind of, you know, get more focused. You know, what I find is without the focus, it's, it's really almost impossible to scale a company without focus. And, and by the way, just because you niche down to one type of client does not mean you can't help others. But what happens is if you get known for one thing, someone will come along and say to you, I know that you do this one thing really, really well, but could you also do this for me, right? It's a whole different conversation versus you having spread so thin. And I think this is part of, you know, I write a lot about this side because I'm also a guest blogger and I have, you know, I have a column actually in Lioness magazine and I, every, um, every other month I write about through, you know, from my book. But, um, but what I discovered is like, you know, every startup wears, you know, six or seven hats at one, one point in your, in that process, you're going to have to let go. You can't wear all those hats because it's not sustainable. And if you want to grow and not burn yourself out completely, you have to learn which are the things that is your lane of genius and focus on that and then find the people who can fill in the other roles. And that's a hard thing. And the founders who can't do that rarely ever scale. In fact, I don't think they do. I think eventually they, it either becomes a lifestyle business or they simply close up shop because it's just, it's, it takes too much stress and it's too, it's just too hard to maintain that. 
Is there a right time or a better time for a new business owner to come and start talking about marketing? Like, is there a pre-work that should be done first or is this where we start? So that's such a great question. And, and I address that in my book because most people, when they think of marketing, they think of, you know, getting a 30 second spot on, uh, on the Super Bowl. Like that's their vision of marketing, which is millions and millions of dollars. And only, only companies like Nike and, you know, the car companies, those are the only ones who can afford that. And honestly, that's traditional marketing, which is what this is part of what my book um, kind of unpacks is this idea that um, traditional marketing does not work for startups. So the problem is that because so many people have a bias thinking, oh, well, it's just something expensive that I can't do right now because they think of it only in terms of traditional marketing. So advertising, billboards, you know, even digital billboards or radio spots or whatever. But all those things don't work for a startup because nobody knows you exist. The marketing for a startup, and this is really at the core of my book, it's this lean marketing principle, which is figure out who you are, figure out who your target market is, and then figure out what their real problem is, and then start to communicate how you're solving that problem. And then you can start using social media, which, you know, you can actually do that without spending money. Of course, it's your time, so it is money. But let's face it, in the beginning, you are the brand and your time is not that valuable at the very beginning, right? Not until you start to grow. But but what I what I find is that you know people get so hung up on this idea that it's a waste of money and marketing is just something that you know I'll get to eventually. By the time they're ready to get to it, it's already too late. So the process that I've developed is really to help startups think about marketing differently. And the investment is not, you know. Advertising, as you know, is super expensive and it's not a one or done. So you need a minimum $100,000 a year if you're going to advertise. Well, no startup is going to have that kind of money. But what they can do is invest in, you know, really getting clear on who they are and understanding how to communicate that so they can. And, and you know, of course, one of the things, the other thing I talk about in my book is the fact that, well, we don't need marketing because we have word of mouth. Right. I, I love that's great argument, which of course is so funny because how do you know you have great referrals if you haven't even identified who your ideal customer is? If you're the solution looking for a problem, those referrals could be just a waste of your time, really. So it, it, and, and by the way, I'm not saying referrals are a bad thing. They're a wonderful thing, but that's not sustainable either. You need a process. You need a you need a sales funnel. You need a marketing funnel. You need, you know, at some point you need to start thinking about, you know, what is the customer journey? How do I get, you know, from the beginning, the conversation? How do I turn my website from uh, website visitors into prospects? I'm not selling them. You, nobody buys anything on a website, especially in, in the B2B space, which is where I live. I'm in the B2B space. Um, so, but what you want is to start to build information, knowledge, trust, engagement, relationships, and that's where social media comes in. And so the idea is that you want to be able to consistently show people who you are, what you do, who you help, and what they get. So if you can focus on those three things, those three things, right, which are, you know, my, my brand, my brand, right, 
who am I? You know, who is that customer? What's keeping them up at night? How am I solving that problem so they can sleep at night? That's what's driving the way you're thinking about it. It's a much different idea than when what most people think of marketing. It's just all about convincing someone to buy something they may not actually need. And since I'm not in the B2C space, I'm not selling toothpaste, right? So I'm working with people where fuzzy declare makes a lot of sense because they're struggling to explain what they do because it is hard to explain. And the more complex it is and the more convoluted it is, you know, that's why they need that process. So they're able to really get to the, what is at the end of the day, what do they, what does somebody get? Because if you don't have an outcome, it's just a conversation. Mm. Yeah. Maybe an interesting one, but just a conversation. Yeah, nonetheless, but nonetheless, that's yeah. not my, my, my goal is not to have amazing conversations, which by the way, I do with every client I work with. My goal is to, um, is to make them more successful and help them scale their business more quickly so they can beat the odds. That's my goal. So when you're in those first five years, there's just, uh, like I was saying before, there's so much to learn, don't know where to start. And one of the things that I've noticed, even my, in my own experience, is that I've gotten more clear on my messaging by having these conversations. Um, but I would say it's not a very efficient way of getting clear on, on the message. And it, it takes a long time. <laughs> yeah, it does. So... So is there a way to like circumvent? Can we shorten that time of getting clarity on on who I am and what I do and who I do that for? Or is that really something that has to evolve over time? Well, you know, it's the thing about a company. It's like a child. You know, you give birth, a child is toddler, then, an, uh, you know, a school age child, a uh, high school, whatever. I mean, so there are all these stages of business as well. but fundamentally, just like a child, the core value is the same. So the first step to my process is helping my client understand and uh, kind of embrace their core value. And it's often a surprise to them. Um, So it's not necessarily, you know, uh, I mean, it's really about what is kind of, you know, what's in the DNA of this brand that I'm building, right? So the process, you know, when I work with solopreneurs and I, you know, I have the kind of from start to finish is uh, five weeks. In five weeks, you go from, I don't know who I am to, I know who I am. I know what kind of an understanding of who my client, that ideal client is. I understand their pain point. I understand how I solve their pain point. And I have key messages because I don't just leave you hanging there like, right. And then the next step is there's a, you know, a web strategy where I can help you start implementing that. So I'm working with a client now with that, trying to help, help them really, you know, help, help them get their website to tell the same story. Helping you build a narrative with key points that we know are going, are really going to connect with the person that you want to work with. Yeah. Now, is there a particular industry that you focus on? Um, you know, I've, I've, I've worked with so many different types of B2B uh, founders. I mean, everything from HR to tech 
to, uh, I've worked with an appellate um, lawyer. Um, and uh, that was that was really an interesting experience um, because they weren't messaging at all on all this amazing stuff that they had done. Like none of that was on their website. Like the fact that they had won like a, uh, I forget, like a several million dollar case in, I think it was in South America or something. I mean, you know, how could you not have that on your site, right? Yeah, right. But it's not even about that. It's it's really about how to break down what you do again in, in small bites so that somebody can enter it and say, oh, here's something. And what I tell people is you don't want to start with your whole story. You want to start with something that's going to make somebody go, tell me more. Yeah. I hear um, people talk about intrigue, leave them with intrigue. Now, again, I'm going back to my education roots and, and for some reason, I've decided that I keep, I've got to button everything up for everybody, right? I've got to close it. And so for me, this idea about leaving, leaving them wanting more, I go a little crazy because I don't have the closure. <laughs> but you know, this is, well, and that's such a good point, Mary, because it's not about closing. It's really, I mean, it's almost like we have to shift our thinking. And I, I, I think this is especially true since the pandemic, you know, they say, there is a saying that everybody wants to buy, but nobody wants to be sold. It's not about closing the deal. It's about starting a conversation, which will eventually lead to closing a deal. But you have to start where the person is. And often, often you know, people want to get comfortable with whoever they work with. And so... For me, I always start by asking them, you know, kind of what is keeping you up at night? Seriously, right? Because I want to know, like, what have you been struggling with? What are you having the most issue with? And sometimes it's linked, their LinkedIn profile is not, you know, should be a lead generator. And, you know, 80% of B2B leads come from LinkedIn and most profiles are invisible. So that's, that's something that I can help you with, right? If you want to, if you want to try to, if you want to, if you want to be seen and understood, that's, that's a part of it. But I think it's, you know, it's not intrigue so much as it is asking the right questions, understanding from the answer, what the next question should be, and then continuing a dialogue until, you know, so it's like you're taking them through the process without taking them through a process sense. And then you need to make sure that everything matches. So if I'm going on your website, it's got to look like it's in the same family as your LinkedIn profile, your Twitter, Facebook, you know, Instagram, whatever you're using, you know, and that's, I have a whole chapter on social media in my book, but, you know, it depends on what business you're in uh, as to which uh, social media platforms you actually should be on. Sure. Yeah, of course. I feel like I, there's there's one more myth that I feel like we should be talking about, and I don't know what it is. Like, I just <laughs> got this. There, it's like, Mary, there's one more thing. Ask her what it is. What is the one more thing that the listeners need to either he hear again or maybe be told for the first time that would help them from where they are now to get getting them to the dream of the making the impact that they want to make? Well, as I think I said this earlier, um, although maybe I didn't say it quite this way, everyone is not your target market. I think that's like the first thing you need to understand. Everyone could, you know, and, and it's true everyone possibly could 
use what you do. But unless you have hundreds of thousands of dollars to put towards marketing those products, figure out the one target market. Start, especially as a startup, start small because you can always build up. It's much harder if you start big. You're going to go through your entire all your resources very quickly. And by the way, the number one reason that startups fail, do you know what that is? The number one reason? No, no market need. And the number two, no market need. Meaning there's no need in the market no, said, I don't need what you've, you've got. Because, because you're, because you're addressing the wrong problem for the wrong audience. So companies have been built all around solving a problem that nobody wants to, wants an answer to, or they're, they're, they're focused on the wrong, on the wrong target market. And I actually have a really great story in my book around this and the idea that one of the things I would say, so everyone is not tar- your target market is really important. And remember that when you talk to everyone, you talk to no one. That's super important. But the other thing I want you to, I want your listeners to understand is that at the beginning, it's much easier, easier to pivot, to shift. When you, and, and that's because if you don't go out there and ask people, and that's why MVPs are so important, you know, minimum viable product, you want to go out there and say, have I solved a problem for you? And by the way, is this a problem that you would pay for? And if so, how much would you pay for this? How valuable is this? So people don't do the market research. So I have a, one of the founder stories is all about market research. But I don't know how familiar you are with um, bubble wrap, the story of bubble wrap. Do you know any? So it's actually a fascinating story. So the founders were an engineer, um, two engineers, and um, and they basically came up with this idea by putting, taking two plastic sheets, putting them together and creating bubbles, right? That's the first prototype. And because it was the 1950s um, and, and this was in the United States and interior design, interior decorating was all the rage and wallpaper was all the rage. They decided that their bubble wrap would be great on walls as a decorating idea. And <laughs> <laughs> and Fielding and Siobhan were the name of the two. Then it was an inventor and an engineer. And, and what was what so this the the moral of the story is when they heard that they had built an ugly baby, they didn't close up shop and go, oh well. What they did is they looked around and they said, where else could this idea work, make sense, be valuable, be solving a real problem? And that's how they happened on shipping. They tried a bunch of other things first, but, you know, imagine, I mean, the thought of having a bubble wrap on your walls when you've got three kids under 10 running yeah. around, yeah. Just mind boggles. And I actually was able for my book, I found a picture of bubble wrap on the walls and it's just, it's hysterical. It's like, oh my God, you know, whatever possessed them to think that this was a good idea, but Again, you know, they had solved a real problem, but it was for the wrong market. So, so the three top reasons why, why startups fail, number one is no market need. Number two is they run out of cash, of course, because there's no market need. And number three is the wrong team. 
I love that you shared that story. I love stories like that because, you know, we see bubble wrap as it is now and we just assume a multi-million dollar industry. I mean, it's amazing. Right. And just assume that, well, somebody had this great idea and it went to market and now it's this million dollar business. And I love looking behind the curtain and saying like, oh no, they were going to do wallpaper with this. What? You know, to me, to us, it sounds silly, but for those of us who are in our businesses right now, we're doing the equivalent of I'm creating wallpaper, you know, bubble wallpaper. Exactly. And the problem is, if you don't ask people, and, and by the way, never ask your family or friends yes. because they're never going to tell you the truth because they don't want to hurt your feelings. Don't, there's actually a book, a whole book written about, you know, why you should never ask your mom about your business. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, as a mom myself, yeah. it's like, of course, everything you do is fabulous. But the point is that when someone calls your baby ugly, they're actually doing you a favor. Because it is so much easier pivoting at the beginning and going then imagine if they had put millions of dollars into building a product for the wrong client customer they would have lost their shirt and maybe bubble wrap might never have been invented or somebody else would have invented it someone else would have been but it was wouldn't have been them yet they actually have an r&d department they have a lab and they're constantly innovating yeah i learned a lot about bubble wrap it's very impressive actually It's it's fascinating story (laughs) Orly, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us. Where can the listeners find you? So the best place to to find me is to connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, You can also email me at orly at zwe.com. And you can check out my book, Ready Launch Brand, uh, the Lean Marketing Guide uh, for Startups is on Amazon. Beautiful. So, and you can literally just put in my name on Amazon and my book will come up. So, yeah, that's one of the values of having an, a unique name, right? Exactly. Well, you know, I'm branded myself, right? Branded without, not my own doing, this is my family, but yeah. Thank you. I'm, I'm very grateful for you, especially in these, for serving the startups. I can really relate to that. Um, and helping us get our businesses kicked off so that we can make that impact that we want to make. And and we don't give away our good ideas to someone else who can take what we've got and apply it to the right market. Exactly. Thank you. Well, it's a pleasure chatting with you. Thanks for listening. We're not just a podcast. We're a community. So before you go, we invite you to join the Consciouspreneur Mastermind community. We are a powerful movement of high-achieving, impact-focused entrepreneurs who are leading the charge, making the world a better place through business. We offer a comprehensive suite of tools, techniques, support, and direction, all rolled up into a community-driven, inspirational launch pad. We will nudge you out of your comfort zone and into your genius zone so that you can lead your business with clarity and focus. If you're looking for a community of like-minded and like-spirited people who support your personal development and business growth, well, you found the right place. Plus, we have a lot of fun. After all, if you're not having fun, you're not doing it right. Remember, we're all in this together. Check out the link in the details in the description below and help our community grow by liking, subscribing, and sharing the content. We look forward to having you join us next week. Until then.